Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your bonus Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 458 with Joe Barton. And man, was I excited to have this chat. You'll hear, I'm going to do a really brief intro because you'll hear all about our journey of how we got to know each other and the kind of me geeking out over Joe's work only to find out that he's been a fan of some of my stuff over the years. So... I'm going to let us get into all of that, but I will tell you, I could not be more excited about the Lazarus Project. When we recorded this, it was about a month ago. Since recording this, write-ups and reviews and hype has started to come out and people are losing their shit over it. It's in all of the top tips, new show business. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting one. I can't wait to get my teeth into it. I can't wait for you all to hear this chat. Before we go into it, the usual thing, speechvellumorecords.com is where you can get things like the sunglasses I made with our label slogan of we may not be for you and that's fine. Things like fucking umbrellas, my, my Edinburgh Fringe live DVD, all sorts of good stuff, vinyl, books, everything. Head over there. You can head to patreon.com forward slash Pip to support the podcast for just a dollar a month. It's very little, but there's a wonderful little community over there. And speaking of communities, twitch.tv forward slash Pipio is where you can join the community. And if you're listening to this on the Friday, come and see us. Thank Pip, it's Fridays is my big Friday night excitement show. I'm not even playing computer games. Honestly, if you're thinking I don't really understand Twitch, this is the one to come and join in for. Trust me, just download the Twitch app or go to twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio. I'll be on, I'll be starting the show about seven, half seven. It's normally half seven, but this Friday we got a big one. So I might start at seven. So if you're hearing this on your way to work, fucking make plans, man. Anyway, I said I'd keep this brief as it's a bonus episode and I loved it. So let's jump in and listen to Distraction Pieces podcast episode 458 with Joe Barton. Right, I'm here today with Joe Barton. How are you, man? I'm good, thanks, man. I'm I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk. And we've been talking for a while over, like, socials and whatnot. This is the first time we're speaking kind of face-to-face, albeit over Zoom. And I've just rushed us in to start recording because I want to have this (laughs) this catch-up and conversation on on record as such. So, yeah, Yeah. how's it all been going, man? You've just got back from a holiday or a trip, at least. I'd imagine... Do you get many holidays or? <laughs> I haven't, I'm taking quite a lot this year. I haven't had many holidays over the last couple of years. I suppose no one has really, have no. they? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm taking like three this year. But yeah, I was away. It was like a, I did one day of meetings. I went to, went to LA. So I did like one day of, of business stuff. And then, yeah. and then the rest was holiday. I took the kids to like Disneyland. I love and, it. And did sort of touristy how, stuff. How did you find that? Because the last time I did LA for, for meetings and that, my manager out there was like, you've accidentally stumbled upon a power move. Because I was similar. I was like, I'll give two days over to it or three yeah. days. Whereas, particularly actors, you'll tend to go for a month or whatever and you'll be there for the season or whatever else. Yeah. And I was like, no, I ain't got, I ain't got, I ain't got time or capacity for that. So, yeah. yeah, I just did like a week. And I met with fucking everyone. Everyone made time for me and he was like i think it's because you're not here for long like normally they're they struggling you. to get people in meetings but because <laughs> i was like it's now or never bitch they were they were all over it so that's good that's a good tactic that work no, well I, for I was, you? yeah well i had i mean i literally only had two meetings but yeah. I, it was i was there for a very specific reasons so, and i was because i was changing my agent and i needed a new agent yeah um because my previous agent became my manager so they were like now you have to find a new there's weird rules in america isn't there how that it can't cross over that you have to have this person here and this person there yeah thing there's like some weird thing like that basically so i had two meetings set up and i went and did them at my like the guy that runs my management company his house so we just did them in his garden he had like 
the most fucking I mean, I've never seen a house like it was the it was amazing it's sitting in this I mean I say like a garden it was like this massive space with like a pool and everything and this incredible like view over LA it felt very um yeah it felt very I don't know weird <laughs> yeah. sort of weird and they were like this one one guy I had a meeting with was like standing there like pointing all the different historical LA things that had happened yeah. in all the houses he was like that's where Sharon Tate was murdered and stuff I was like oh, wow. God, it's yeah. really like nuts it was um yeah it was quite surreal actually how do you f- you find all that shit because I had again early or before I was moving into acting actually or when I was working on a record in LA I went out and stayed with a mate of mine who's a writer who was who was killing it at the time so was mm. staying in w- w- one of those hills type yeah. places with a pool and all this and I was house house sitting for a chunk of it and it was like I love this I don't want to live this <laughs> but I love stepping into it I love being yeah. allowed in the front door kind of thing but it wasn't yeah. it I didn't get a one day this will be me I didn't get that kind of like that that film type I'm going to make this whole this whole city will be mine one day. I've got a kind of, well, this is cool, but yeah. I'm looking you forward like, to getting back to Essex. <laughs> <laughs> you were happy just to sort of dip your toe in and, yeah. then, and then leave again. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've only been to LA twice. And the, the first time I went was like two years ago. And I definitely sort of, it was just me on my own. And I was sort of walking around the place, just sort of looking at it. And I did definitely think at that point, I thought, oh, maybe I could live here because I've never thought, I've never really mm. fancied the idea of it. I always quite like the idea of living in New York, but LA never really sort of interested me. And then and I went there and really liked, had a really nice time because my mate was there at the same time. So we, we were sort of going to nice restaurants and bars and stuff. Yeah. And it was like a little snapshot of like, oh, your life, maybe maybe, maybe you could could sort of do this. And this time, I like, again, I really like it as a city, but I went with, 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 with my family and we were staying in Venice and, you know, we're staying in nice like Airbnbs and stuff and walking about. I didn't feel, I felt, I think I felt the same as you, which is like, this is a really nice place to come and visit. Like, I yeah. don't know if, maybe for like a year or like yeah. two years, maybe. Exactly. That's, that's kind of been my thought a few times. There's been a few times where I've suddenly realised that a few people I kind of know or are mates with are in circles with half of my fucking idols. And it's that kind of, well, maybe that would be good to be out there for a year and kind of just be moving in these circles and and making these moves. But, yeah, it's a weird one. It's so bizarre how similar my relationship with LA has been. The first time I toured over there, I was like, I ain't feeling this place, man. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. But then the first time I went there and was with a mate, it's a different world because it's not somewhere like New York where you can just stroll about and find what's going on. No. You need to be going to specific... It's so spread out, I guess. It's, You've got to it's know destinations, what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah, it's a really weird... All that, like, cliche about, oh, you can't walk anywhere. It's like, oh, it's actually true. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's sort of this vast expanse. But it is an interesting place, and you do, like, you know, it does feel like it's a place where things are happening and all of that, and, yeah, but I, I don't know. Do you get, like, starstruck if, like, you say, like, your mate's, like, working in, like the sort of circle of the sort of movers and shakers like is that something that no, I'm can't... always like I try and be cool about stuff like that sometimes I do and sometimes I don't I'm like you know what I, mean? I, I remember a few times I went out for dinner with my mate Kelly Marcel and there were some amazing people there one of her best friends now is Gus Van Sant and, then, and it's like <laughs> the first time I'm out there I'm right. like having dinner with Gus and he was was lovely but I remember a few of them's an actor mate of hers Luca me and him would just be drawn together because we were the ones who were clearly out of place here. And like, right. I, I'm fine watching all this, but I've got no real desire to be <laughs> jumping in or competing as such. Like sometimes yeah. those things can be a bit of a competition of who's the most charismatic, who's the most yeah. successful or whatever else. And I'm like, oh no, I don't give a fuck about that. But it's wicked to get to watch all of this and, and chip in every now and then. So yeah, yeah. it's a weird middle ground, I guess. Yeah, it is. But, but kind of... Speaking of all that, um, I mean, I want to talk about extinction because you know how excited I am about about that. You've you've put up with a fair few (laughs) DMs from me going, man, this sounds dope. But um, not to kind of start on a a downer, but I wanted to kind of talk a little bit, if we can, about you were on a project that looked really exciting that we talked about. And then just before we were originally lining up this conversation, it fell through. So you were doing stuff in the DC universe, basically, a yeah. Batman-themed um, yes. th- thing. I guess I want to know, how is it to kind of... Because you've had a f- you've got a few things that 
are huge. And how is it to step into these huge worlds, but in an industry where nothing's ever certain until it's literally on our screens? Like I've had stuff before that I've yeah. definitely got this role or that role, and then it's not happened. Or I've I've gone and started on something and then it's not happened. It's a weird world for that. So yeah, you've got to kind of rein in your expectations, I guess. But how how is that? And how was it to step into that world in particular? Because it's fucking nuts. <laughs> in, in that, yeah, you've sort of hit the nail on the head, man. It was fucking nuts. It was such a, it was a real learning experience, I would say. The whole thing, it was a very, um, it was about a year, all in all, that it, from, from getting the job to, to you know, <laughs> being fired, I guess. To not having the job anymore. <laughs> to not, the job not yeah. existing anymore as well. It's not like it was a replace type thing. They'd kind of changed what it they're doing, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's a sort of weird one. So it was like, well, initially, I mean, yeah, it, came, it was a weird, it, it came about last, no, not last, the Christmas before last. Mm-hmm. And it was this mad time just over, uh, what, uh, what, what, what would that have been then? I'm terrible with dates. So 2021 or 2020 or any yeah. one of these things. And it was over Christmas, I got these two jobs. I got Cloverfield and I got the Batman show, like almost in a week of each other. It was yeah. like completely insane. And I was like up sort of I remember doing... I think I hit you up about one saying this is yeah. amazing and then read about the other one and thought, well, I feel like an idiot now because fuck that, look at this. Look kind at this of, kind of thing. It's like... I know, man. I know. It, 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 it was you know, really strange. And, and I was sort of doing all these late night pitches and Zooms and loads of stuff to get them. And, um, and they're sort of... They're quite linked in a way, obviously, because Matt Reeves, who's directed the Batman film, directed the original Cloverfield movie, right, and, and and JJ was was as is obviously still doing the Cloverfield thing. But it's um, so they felt sort of quite sort of combined and all that stuff, and I got them both at the same time. They were like announced at the same time. It's this one sort of mad week where they sort of announced I was doing these two projects, and there was another one as well. Maybe it was Extinction, maybe it was Lazarus yeah. Project. There's something, and then Half Bad as well. I think so. It was just a, it seemed like I'd done like I was doing like. 10 million things at once but it was um yeah it was really exciting it was really it was slightly kind of I guess like a dream project but it basically the the job that I was hired to do that 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 Batman sort of tv series like I was replacing another writer so I was replacing Terence Winter he's like Mm -hmm. the sort of legendary he's like I mean fucking hell like he did like the wire and like Bordel Kemper and all these things that yeah. like he's you know ten times the right right. I mean, so and, but he it hadn't worked out with him, so I was sort of stepping into these huge shoes, and it was very much like Matt Reeves had this very clear idea about the show he wanted to make, and I had a very clear idea about the show that I also wanted to make, and that was the, they were the same. That was the same. It's sort of kind of nineteen seventies inspired Sidney Lumet like corrupt cops. Yeah. I guess that's why Terence was on on it originally, but that's this sort of you know set in Gotham, and it was very you know like a sort of H, very HBO kind of cop show set in the Batman world. So I think it would have been really yeah. exciting, really cool. I mean, it quickly became <laughs> quite apparent that that isn't necessarily the show that Warner Brothers quite wanted to make, or they were at least they were nervous about it. It's it's weird how a lot of that stuff works, right? Again, having just seen a little bit behind the scenes on some Marvel and kind of mm. Fox stuff and all that. I've witnessed moments where someone's got a phone call and said, oh, so we've just confirmed that we can sling, let's say, for example, Doctor Strange yeah. in in this film now. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But Doctor Strange isn't in the film. Well, and I, oh, no, we've, but, but we've got him now. It's like, yeah. Ben right, well, that's not, that's not the film. And it's not yeah. Doctor, you know, I'm just I'm yeah, putting yeah, people yeah. out there. But, but that's, that's exactly because that's how the producers work, right? And again, yeah. I understand that from their angle. They're looking at their their characters and going, yes. oh, right, if we can add this, then that's great. Whereas you're looking at it as a writer and as a creator of a show. But you're looking at it through, like, yeah, a purely creative spectrum. Yeah. And they're looking at it through, a, I mean, a creative spectrum, but also, like, a how many subscribers is this show going to yeah. get our channel? Because HBO Max was, I think, slightly faltering at the time. And Batman's, like, Warner Brothers' biggest bit of IP. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's incredibly important to them as a company. It makes total sense. They have to monetize it correctly or, you know, the potential for it to, you know, make money and get subscribers to their screen, streaming channel, all of that is huge for them. So they're very, you know, naturally protective of it. But that, that, what, that scenario you just said, I mean, not Doctor Strange, but it was, that's exactly what happened. So we were, we, you know, we'd been developing this show for about, I, I don't know, four months or something. And they were sort of whisperings. And essentially they basically came in and were like, oh, you can, you can still make that show, but it has to have the Joker in it. 
there was no, basically no big Batman characters in the show. It was sort of yeah. like, there were some small, lesser known ones, but there was no big ones. They were like, you have to have the Joker in it. Which, mm-hmm. like, which was a pain because it didn't really, that didn't make sense to the story, but they mm-hmm. were like, you have to have him in. So like, all right. And we knew that Barry uh, Keoghan, or Keegan, I say his name, yeah. right, was playing Joker in the movie, which that was exciting because I love yeah. him. He's, I think he's an amazing, amazing. actor. Yeah. Love to work with him. So I was like, all right, well, I'll get to work with, with, with Barry. That would be amazing. But I still don't know how to get this character into this show, but we'll, we'll try. So we tried for a bit. And then, it's, and then we got a phone call, like literally overnight. And it was just, yeah, by the way, that show you were making, you're not making that anymore. Like that's not happening at all well, what instead yeah. it's going to be it's going to be the joker it's going to be arkham asylum it's going to be all these big batman sort of characters and that's the show and either do it or don't like they were like you're not fired they weren't firing they were like you can yeah. you know we're not forget that other show do you want to do a different thing <laughs> yeah do you want to do a different thing and this was like sort of five months in and i thought actually you know what looking back i probably should have just left then because i think it was just you know it was creatively probably just not going to work but i I sort of still thought, well, okay, well, we can, you know, we can make something good out of this. So I, so I stuck around and then stuck around for another, I guess it would have been five months, six months. And we, we eventually, you know, we got a script together and we put it all together. Um, a script I really loved and, and, and I would have been really excited to have made that show. But I think probably ultimately it was always one step, one foot in the show, the previous show. Yeah. And they just wanted it to be all of one thing. And I was still trying yeah. to hold on to the old idea and, um, and then, yeah, it was, it's that sort of weird thing, man. It's like, I handed it in in early, uh, late, late November, early December. I got a call from one of the execs, like HBO. They were like, oh, love the script. We love it. Like, can't wait to make it. Like, thanks for your hard work, man. I know it's been difficult, but this is really exciting. I said, like, oh, great. This is going really well. And then I, didn't, <laughs> I just didn't hear anything uh, from them again. And then in January, my agents called me up to let me know I was fired. Oh, <laughs> and I was man. like, that was it. It's, it's really surreal. It's sort of like a whole sort of year of your life, very intensely doing this thing. And then suddenly it's sort of, it's gone. It's, it's a weird, it's, it's strange. Man. It's what I kind of love and hate about this industry. Because I started working on scripts and stuff five or six years ago. And so far, n- n- nothing's been made. But I've mm. had such a journey. <laughs> like, yeah, I've yeah. had stuff in development. I've had this happen. And I kind of... There's a part of me that loves the beauty of it not being a public thing. If you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, From yeah. doing music where literally everything is, here it is, do you like it? Right. Kind of, I like that there's so much that I've developed and learned behind closed doors as such. But equally, I can't imagine how that must have been to get that kind of switch. I had a meeting j- just last week about a, s- a script I've got that I'm obsessed with at the moment. Yeah. And it was with one of my dream production companies, and everyone I told about the meeting afterwards was like, oh, that sounds that went amazing. I was like, no, it didn't. Because <laughs> they love the writing. They want me to work on They've got other ideas they'd like me to, they'd like to hear from me, all this. But they didn't want to make the one that I'm obsessed with at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. for me, it was like, no, that it's wicked that they're nice and they want loads of other ideas and they want all yeah. this and that. But I'm like, this is the one though at the moment. So yeah. it's weird how your mind can, can get in that way when you're writing them, particularly if you've spent four months developing and getting it to where you want and then they're like no 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 but it is i mean it is like a bit of a cliche but it is an industry that is built on you know rejection and failure and all yeah. these things and the vast majority of things you do as you know as a writer or a director an actor or a musician or whatever anything within the that you know that you know sphere of this industry the majority of them don't work out you know it's yeah. it's and i'm the same i've got projects that i love like i'm always trying to get away and i, and I just can't do you know what i mean and yeah. after, after you know i was trying to had like two or three shows i was trying to get away after the last one after giri Hadji and the, i just couldn't like just impossible i got different shows away but i had the you know these incredibly like personal shows like oh well i just made these but you can't you can only make what people will let you make you have very little control over your career it's fucking mad, isn't it? It's yeah. again. It's it's something I thought I'd got used to, but then I wrote this script that I think could be made r- r- really cheaply, but be really amazing. Mm. And that's the one now. I'm like, well, no, it's this or nothing. And I, yeah, I, in a, in a few weeks, I'll be over that, and I'll be yeah. back to all right. Here's another idea. Here's this. But at the moment, I can't get past the. Sp- seriously though, like we could just start this next week. Let's just do it. What <laughs> guys? <what's>, come on. <laughs> what's wrong with you? Um, well, I mean, to go to major positive now, um, you mentioned Giri Hadji, 
and I want to kind of talk about how our paths crossed because yeah. it's a loving man, and it's, it's, it's one of my favourite kind of m- m- meetings. And the buzz I had, like I was talking to my, my missus about it after we started talking, because basically I watched Giri Hadji and it fucking blew me away. And I was tweeting about it to say, just this is amazing. Like I really, I just thought it was absolutely astounding. It's there's not too many shows I recommend to, to my my brother. And it's out of nerves. Mm-hmm. He's the most knowledgeable in film and TV of anyone right. I know. So much of my taste has come from him going, borrow this. The, don't st- stream it because it isn't available to stream anywhere and you can't get the DVD anymore, yeah. but it's essential. So there's loads of that. And Giri Hadji was one that I hit him up and he watched it and loved it as well. So I was tweeting about m- my love for it and you hit me up to let me know that one of my songs was kind of on the playlist for for getting yeah. the tone and the mood for it so yeah 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 and more that was mad one. to me it yeah was mad. It was, it's nice isn't it it yeah. was yeah there was a couple on there we had a whole playlist that i had, i had put together and then the director sort of had added and yeah man i'd put, I'd put a couple of your, a couple of your songs on yeah. i listened to them a lot when i was writing it as well but yeah it's a weird it's a small well and actually weirdly like another there's another band who are on that playlist called let's eat grandma yeah and there was a song that i really loved as well and now this another project i'm doing the director came in with that exact same song and they've ended up doing the soundtrack for the for the um for the whole show so yeah it's that's that 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 playlist is like the gift that keeps on giving but yeah that was really exciting man because i thought because i knew about you because i years and years ago i got hired to write uh a script about mark grist right yeah, so they were. They were. Someone was making. They wanted to do a film about about Mark Grist, that like English oh, wow. teacher turned battle rapper. Yeah, and I got hired to do it for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, because I was just I don't know, young at the time yeah. <laughs> or something. It was. I wrote a bad script. But I was going to say, mate, that would be a fine line to walk because that feels like it'd be in the kind of full Monty type vibe. The British yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of really yeah. Yeah, feel yeah, yeah. good. And w- when that kind of film works, it's one of my favourite things ever. Yeah. When that kind of film doesn't bad. work. Ex- example, I remember when Pride came out. I was just about I, to say Pride. I thought it was going to be that kind of thing. So, so I didn't go and see it for a good few weeks. Yeah, and then yeah, I yeah. had Time to Kill before a meeting and I went to see it in the, the the view in Hammersmith and I was in bits throughout. It was yeah. absolutely astounding. So when those yeah. kind of films work... So good sick. when they work. When yeah, they yeah, don't, yeah. some of the most uncomfortable viewing imaginable so it's a it's a very sort of specific sort of <laughs> british subgenre yeah. of um that sort of like uh yeah underdog story yeah. or whatever yeah I, I never managed to to crack it and, it and it never happened but it was it was watching yeah it was through watching a bunch of youtube videos and, and all that stuff so yeah, yeah. me and mark went that. back and forth because he'd blown up as that <laughs> this is gonna say this now is the most middle-class thing ever. But I was at Latitude, mm-hmm. and I always feel uncomfortable at Latitude because it's proper posh. And I was doing a spoken word set. I was, main, I, was, I was headlining the poetry tent, and the turnout was far better than I expected. And I ended up dr- dr- drinking a whole bottle of rosé j- during my set. Rosé when I Exactly. And when I walked backstage, the was it the Don't Flop guys were there? Mm-hmm. and we're like yeah. do you want to do anything and I was like I've got some words for Mark Grist and it wasn't I've got no beef with him so I did a little thing to Mark and I'd never m- met him but I then DM'd him immediately say just so you know <laughs> I'm drunk and I've just <laughs> slagged you off but hope you you know understanding yeah. that culture I hope you yes. you fulfill the nature of it and yeah we did a bit of back and forth for a few weeks on that and I, yeah. I, honestly, I, I would not be able to bring myself to rewatch any of it because I'm, I'm sure it's appalling. But that I must have been a mad one to to work on. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. I can't even remember what I'd done before, or what at what point in my life it was. I just remember it was a sort of a chance to write a film, and which I sort of jumped at, and I didn't feel like it was ever going to get made, and it did never get made. But it, yeah, it was good. I think it was in there was like a period where I was just trying to get stuff away. Is that thing? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like any jobs you can get either just for the money or because you think it's going to happen or, or, or whatever. But, yeah, I think I even had to try and write a battle rap for it. Oh, oh. Amazing. The idea that that might be out there somewhere. Still. Amazing. So, kind of, as we as we go into talking about Giri Hadji, I'm curious to know what kind of stuff you're into because hearing of the idea for that Gotham thing and watching mm. Giri Hadji, I'm assuming there's a decent amount of kind of noir, like your Melvilles and, and, and stuff like that. 
But then what I loved about Giriaji was it was a mixture of so much. It was very London, but it was very Japan. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was a real mixture of, yeah. of cultures and it was, yeah, and it worked. Well, that one was funny, I think, because it was, we sold it as a, as a gang show, like as a crime show mm. when we originally did it. And I wrote the pilot. Originally I wrote the pilot for Channel 4 and then BBC picked up and then Netflix got involved as well. But it was very much like, uh, you know, Yakuza and uh, there's, a, there's a detective and there's a mystery and we're going to solve it. And that's kind of, I think the originally, you know, we were like, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be, you know, your sort of line of duty or whatever, you know, yeah. lives in that sort of world. And then it got commissioner we got they got the green light and i was given like quite a long time to to actually go away and write all the episodes because it was going to be such a complex show to make because we were going to japan and there was going to be different you know like just taking crew halfway around mm. the world and all of that stuff we were like we want to make sure all the scripts are finished and ready so we just we can plan it properly yeah. so i was actually given like a decent amount of time to write it and it was just i think it was just as over the course of that year just my interest in what the show should be completely changed in terms of like I put a lot of myself in it and it sort of I was going through just like an interesting time in my life uh, just on a personal level and and you kind of I think if you watch it you can kind of see the the those things sort of feed into the show and just what the show is slightly sort of change and by the end you know it's a crime show at the beginning and by the end it's a sort of found family relationship drama and people are dancing around and it's all stuff you know so it's a very it just becomes a different show so the influences on it i mean more than anything it was just like life (laughs) rather than you know what i mean like there's stuff like you know there's animation in there and there's there's uh aspect ratio changes and some of that comes from the directors the cinematographer or the production designer whoever but it's kind of a big sort of melting pot of different ideas and uh, and 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 stuff like that, but uh, yeah, mostly it was just born of just like life experience and like yeah. what's interesting or what feels you know personal and, and real ra- rather than necessarily like uh, with this going to be like uh, Raymond Chandler meets Battle Royale or whatever yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a weird sort of therapy project, mostly. Yeah, <laughs> I I love that. So I mean, how was it when it started to come to life? Because one of the key characters in it is previous guest Will Sharp. Mm. And from my memory, that was my first kind of exposure to him. I've then looked back and seen, oh, I've seen him in other things, but he's just astounding in it. And when you have someone bring a character you've you've written to life like that, it must be just a buzz. Oh, yeah, man. It's crazy. Will's, I mean, talking about influences, like his stuff really is an influence, you know, looking at flowers and I mean, landscapers now obviously was more recent, but it's, it, I, I love his stuff. I love his, the way he plays with form and the way he it feels experimental, but completely grounded in sort of genuine, very deep human emotions. And they're sort of that kind of, there's a sort of rawness to the, the, the you know, the stories he tells yeah. and, the, and the characters he puts, you know, like incredibly human stuff. It's just, yeah, I mean, he's like a genius, man, and, and just a lovely guy as well. Yeah. Just very, very smart. But yeah, he, we were, that was a treat because we were trying to cast that character and we were like, okay, well, he's, you know, half half Japanese, half British, but he's got to have a British accent and, you know, have grown up in Britain. He's got to be handsome. He's got to be funny. He's got to be sort of youngish. He's got to be all these things. And we're like, oh, shit, where are we going to find this person? Where are we going to find this person? And like, he was literally next door. He Because he uh, Sister Pictures, who made Giri Hadji, also made flowers so he knows jane and chris and all the producers everyone right. and it did, but it didn't it wasn't like an instant thing like we we were sort of we'd been worrying about how the hell are we going to cast this character for ages and then it was just oh shit no way <laughs> literally like the perfect person oh hang on and, yeah oh hang on <laughs> we know him already um yeah. and we went to him and, and luckily he said yes but yeah it was a dream man i love him amazing and 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 how was it to to start to get the reception because I'm also aware how complex a question that is because it was one of them that it got got good critical reaction, but it felt like, it, but it then didn't get recommissioned at all. But then it went crazy on Netflix, and there was all these. Yeah. There's been so many the best hidden gems on Netflix, and Giri Hadji's always in the top in yeah. the top few. So how was that journey of reception? I guess that was good. I mean, 
Yeah, it's always a hidden gem. It's never like just a gem. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, always a hidden one. Yeah, that again was right. like, yeah, I'll put that in my like slight my like Batman folder of of failure. Like it was. It's the opposite of what a production company wants is a hidden gem. You you, you want everyone to be rather <laughs> look at have, this gem. Um, the, the first Suicide Squad, for example, which was a very well seen hated film you're right yeah <laughs> everyone thought it was awful but fucking hell it did amazing numbers yeah, that's what they're numbers. looking for a hidden yeah. gem isn't really uh, <laughs> no hidden, like it feels nice when someone sort of writes a nice article about it there was one the other day actually that someone was still sort of there's the people still talk about it, but yeah it's always like uh look at this show it's quite good and no one watched it it was a weird one because it came out and it did pretty good on when it was on bbc2 and then and then it came out on Netflix. They just don't, they just didn't promote it. And I, I always like, worry about like moaning about it too much because you got to make a show. Like they were great and they helped us yeah. make the show and it was, and it was brilliant. We all loved it and we released it and fine. But like, yeah, there was very little promotion, I would say, or sort of, uh, and, uh, you know, not a lot in terms of actually sort of telling people the show was I, out there. You know I heard I mean? about it because of, of Shaheen Baig. The casting oh, right. director. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah, be yeah. hearing about it from the casting no. director. I, I saw her tweeting about it, and I thought this sounds yeah. fucking great. When she like, like what she was saying yeah, about it, and yeah. the visuals are that are that she posted. But yeah, you can't be relying on pe- the the public all following a specific casting director. So, very, that's not the as, best as your way. promo. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not gonna. That's not gonna do it. No. So this, yeah. So it's always this slightly tinge of that sort of feeling of of like it slightly was a failure. Like creatively, I think we were all really really happy with it. Obviously, but yeah, it didn't quite have a big audience, and they and they cancelled it. <laughs> mad on things like that though, because a thing that a good pal of mine, Brett Goldstein, always says he was told at some point make good stuff and the right people will, will see it mm, like, like yeah. it, it's not going to be ideal that it won't be a hit initially but and again i genuinely think part of his now emmy award winning <laughs> career comes from yeah. super bob and the and the shorts he made and the small things he made that i remember when the film him and, and john drever made super bob came out i remember them being heartbroken because they spent fucking years on that right and yeah. no one came to see it it was just in a handful of screens or whatever or not getting good numbers and i can see how that can be heartbreaking but yeah it's the a, people it's who, part of the, journey, the kind yeah. of people who will see it are the people who are going to end up in the film industry or already in the film industry because they're the people who are into hidden gems yeah. they're the ones who are searching for, for hidden gems and it's kind of yeah it's a weird one I like that. It does. It does open doors. I do think I, there is a point. Like it, it, Gary definitely opened a lot of doors within the industry, yeah. and people like yeah, producers have watched it, and people in the telly industry have watched it. And I think it yeah. helped me get like Batman and Clover and all those sort of things. So you know, it definitely, it definitely was was you know was helpful in that sense. But yeah, you do sort of slightly. You just I don't know some of the some of the shit that gets renewed and gets you know. But it's, you can't be bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it, mate. And you can't you can't rationalise it either. Yeah. Well, sp- speaking of which, it, it, this is the perfect time to move on to Extinction because you told me a little bit about Extinction mm-hmm. and you at the time had a character that might have worked for me and I might yeah. have been able to audition for, but I was filming a TV show in Canada for NBC and it had that exact thing. It felt like it did good numbers. Yeah. It got really good reaction online and then it didn't get commissioned it didn't get a second series and then you're sitting again in in that period i missed out on auditioning for extinction and and peaky blinders because both of them clashed with just this thing that i was doing but i was in like i was fourth on the call sheet and shit like that so it's like it was the biggest deal for me that i've i've ever had so it was an obvious choice but it's then them things that you go i thought this was going to (laughs) be this big (laughs) next career thing and then it goes quiet but Tell me a little bit about Extinction, because, as I said, the bits that you told me about it, the bits I've got from Papa Rasey do about it, have all mm. sounded ridiculous. So it's cool, man. Yeah, Papa's amazing in it. So it's cool. So we had to change the title as well. So it's called the Lazarus Project now. It was called Extinction yes. up until sort of fairly recently, and then we had to. So there was like, a, let's get that right. Yeah, I need to remember it as well. I still call it Extinction when I talk to people about yeah. it. But it's called the Lazarus Project, and it is it's that time travel thriller on sky well it's not it's called sky one anymore is it it's called it's like sky max sky, sky showcase or sky max sky yeah showcase. sky max that sounds right it's on sky <laughs> it's on one of them 
Um, and it's uh, this it's, is yeah. bad. You, you've got a show with them. They regularly sponsor my podcast. Both of us should be able to <laughs> Sorry, articulate what this is. Skymax, perfect. Skymax. Let's go to Skymax. First time. Yeah. Um, and it's <laughs> it's a time travel thriller. Yeah, it stars, uh, stars Papa Asidu and uh, Angie Mahindra and uh, Caroline Quentin and Charlie Clive and Tom Burke's amazing, amazing cast. Tom Burke's on fire right now as well, but also Lorne McDonald and Vinette Robinson, all people that yes. are, yeah, just loads of really good people that are proper rate, and all of whom I think are on the up as well. It's all yeah, people yeah, yeah. who this is... They're on an upward tra- trajectory at the moment, so it's a ridiculous cast. It's a great cast, man. Really good directors as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like uh, it's a sort of high concept thriller. It's quite a, like an acerbic sort of British Inception sort yeah. of kind of weird emotional. I'm trying not to say the word roller coaster because <laughs> I hate when people describe it. It's a roller coaster, but yeah. it is. It is a roller coaster. Yeah, and I'm 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 excited about it, and it's coming out very soon. How June was it 14th. to kind of to get it made? Because I remember talking to Papa at one point, and he was like, "Fucking hell, Joe's he's pushing us here with this because because of the time tra- 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 travel elements of it. It's like yeah. it was like I read the script; it's amazing. I didn't necessarily think initially about how hard it's going to be as an actor yeah. to to do, but obviously, as I said he's the man for the job there. But yeah, how was it to kind of because anything that's got that kind of sci-fi element to it, there's so much to make sure it's right. And, you know, there's, there's, there's such... It removes a lot of looseness in, yeah. in shooting. Like, in film and in TV, a lot of the time, you can stray from the script a bit, you can be mm-hmm. a bit loose, you can change things on the fly. A lot harder when you've got, number one, time travel, <laughs> and number two, anything like sci-fi or scientific involved. Yeah. It's like, no, this is this has to yeah. be tight. Well, the time travel thing is the most complicated because, yeah, you like one ad lib and it just sort of throws the entire structure of the entire series out. And that's right. I don't have a very analytical brain. Like I do struggle to sort of, I'm not very, I'm very unorganised. I can't, just don't have one of those brains that sort of compartmentalise all these things. So writing a time travel thing was very tricky, man, because it's like the concept as well, it's not just time travel. Like the idea is that they have this, machine that can uh that can turn back time but they only you can only go back to the same day there's like a checkpoint day so the way they always describe it it's like a computer game like if you get to the checkpoint then everything up to the checkpoint is safe but everything afterwards can be changed so every time they use the the time machine they go back to the last first of july so if you use it on the second of july you go back one day if you use it on the third of july you go back two days you go all the way around a whole year and you make it to the next 1st of July, the that becomes the new I love that. checkpoint. So like we're sort of within that structure of people going back and forward and trying to work out what day and what month or even what year. And then within that as well, we have flashbacks. And within the flashbacks, people have flashbacks within the flashbacks of all the times they remember from all the time loops that got undone. And it's very complicated. And, 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 and it, we, yeah. And even, I think after, even after we'd filmed it, there was one, we got in the edit and we were like, oh shit, we fucked up. There was like one bit which didn't, which, which didn't make sense. We had to slightly change it. And yeah, it's, yeah, it was really, it, but I, so I imagine it was difficult for the actors and for just like costume of everyone just to keep, yeah. keep up with what was going on. Continuity at the best of times is, yeah. is a, str- a struggle on these things. And yeah, that sounds incredibly complex I, l- I love it though as i said that's the kind of thing i proper n- nerd out over i love those complexities and the little ins and outs of it all um uh, uh, did you see beyond the infinite two minutes no i haven't seen it's that. really good it was, it was one of my films of the year l- l- last year it was like over here i think it was like a straight to dvd type thing but it's a time travel one shot yeah and i'm obsessed with one shots anyway i did a few of my music videos as one shot like a but, sort of like a 1917 kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah but, but but it's a it's a low budget so it's a genuine one shot and the the conceit is this guy who works and he works in a cafe and lives above it he runs it he goes up to his room and looks on yeah. the cctv and it's t- it's two minutes ahead so he can see two yeah. minutes into the future on right. that tv there and then he goes down and it's what he saw he saw on the cc he saw himself okay. on the cctv um, yeah, so right, he then right. goes down <laughs> i've already got a headache trying to work out yeah man and it gets okay. even more confusing like he'll 
yeah, it, it, he he figures out a way to see four minutes ahead and to see eight yeah. minutes and things like that. But as I said, you then add to that, it's all done as a one shot. So there's just one camera throughout just following him. It's really good. It's re- so really cool. good. But it's also, it's kind of a comedy. It's not like some right. high end. It's like a, yeah, I think it's Korean, but I could be just being incredibly r- 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 racist there. So apologies. <laughs> right. I watched it a year ago now. So my memory's not great. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, heard, I've actually I've heard someone talk about this on another podcast. I'm sure on like slash film or something like that. Yeah. That's a mad concept. I need. I but I is that just like is that on like Amazon or something? Can I? Yeah, I think I, it might be. Right. I I bought the Blu-ray on on Amazon or whatever. But but yeah, it's really interesting, man. It's a as I said, it's a head fuck, and then there yeah. has to be a point at which you, you'll be pleased to hear that as a viewer you have to go. I'm going to stop questioning any of this and just accept it. Because yeah. at first you are kind of going, well, hang on, does that make? Yep, no, that does make sense. And you're trying to do the science of it all, and then at a point yeah. you just go, I trust I've checked everything. I try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just anyway. going to accept it because it's too much, too much to take in and try and keep on top of. That's the challenge, man. Because uh, there's a bit in the Lazarus project where Papa's character George is, is asking um, Angie Mahindra's character, like, how does it all work? And she does, she basically does a line, like she says, like, if you haven't got a degree in nuclear physics, it's really not much point in me explaining it to you, which is yeah. basically just me be like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Hopefully yeah. the audience will accept that. That's always the perfect point of this is too complex to explain. Okay, sure. You wouldn't get it. All right, fair enough. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm really excited about it, man. As I said, it sounds great. And I think Sky are really, I think what they do best are the quite big, quite ambitious type things like i love gangs of, of london like things yeah. like that where they're going this is big this is a big yes. world this is a big yes, thing yes. To, to to take on i think they're really really good at that so yeah that's dope but i want to talk to you also about like, I, i'm a fan of of ritual which uh-huh. is on netflix but even kind of before we talk about that i want to talk about being a writer in respect of the difference the mad difference between being a film writer and being yeah. a TV writer, because in film, the writers are fucking ignored. Hardly anyone's <laughs> got a favourite writer. Everyone's got a favourite yeah. director. Whereas on in TV, it's kind of flipped. Hardly anyone knows half the time who directed a TV show. Yeah. But the writer or showrunner now is becoming s- such a big and respected role yeah. that, that it's, it's almost a writer's w- world over there now. How do you totally find is. that as a writer? And does it influence you going... Because again, even ignoring the acknowledgement, the power and control. Mm. As a writer, you probably want to write stuff that you've got a bit of a say in, like rather than I've slaved yeah. over this, I love it, and then you give it to someone and it comes back and it's n- nothing like what you wrote. So yeah, it's very, it's really weird, man. I, and I, like people talk about it a lot, like when the industry people talk about it a lot, like the difference between being a film writer and being a TV writer. Like, and it, I don't quite understand it and and it's and i hope it changes because it's not fair on I mean, not fair within you know <laughs> it's not the most obviously it's not, you know, not the biggest track you know yeah. uh, scandal in the world but it, within you know the thing it's, it's 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 not fair on writers in film and i don't think it's fair on directors in telly either like they're, they're no one sort of they're two sort of roles that get just sort of diminished and slightly forgotten about and i'm guilty of it as well like the other day i was tweeting about how i I was on the plane back from America and I'd watched Blade Runner and Jungle Cruise. And I was like, oh, la, la, la. like one's a really serious movie and one's like a silly movie. And I watched them both. And someone pointed out they were written by the same guy. And I hadn't even bothered to amazing. check who'd written yeah. these films. Do you know what I mean? I was like, fucking hell, this guy's amazing. He'd done... So I didn't even... You That's know. insane, isn't it? It's weird. But you do. Like, I think, I, you know, you think about your favourite movies and I'm like, I don't know. wrote, like, who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever? I don't know. Well, um, the example I always give is... A mate of mine wrote Chernobyl, like the highest rating TV show in history now on IMDb. Yeah. The thing he was most known for before that was Hangover 3. Yeah. And, 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 and The Hangover 2. Craig, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. that's insane. And then you look at Hangover 2 and the director of that did The Joker, which was one yeah. of the most Oscar-praised superhero movies of all yeah, time. Yeah. And it is that mad kind of thing of, yeah. right, what... Where is Do the logic it. in any of this? I don't, I don't know yeah. how it ties together, but yeah, you're completely right. There's different. But it, 
it's funny though, isn't it? And well, with like Chernobyl, like Johan Renk was the director of that, yeah. and again, everyone talks about Craig Craig Mazin and his amazing scripts for that, but people sort of ignore like no the one talks about Johan, yeah, the, the direction. But it's funny, man. Like I've done, I think my personal sort of attitude to it now is that like, I've done films which were really quite personal to me, and I didn't always enjoy the experience. Like, I've been lucky; like I worked with really nice directors. So I've had like four movies made now. And I really like the people I've worked with in all of them. But it's just the, 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 the experience itself can be quite unsatisfying. So I had a film called yeah. Encounter come out last year or the year before. With Riz. With Riz, yeah. Riz Ahmed's really brilliant. And there's two, two, um, two amazing uh, kids. Young, yeah. young kids as yeah. well. Yeah, really good. And, and yeah, it's a great cast. And and, um, and Michael uh, Pierce, the director, who's really, he's a great guy. He's really nice. And he's a very talented man and all that stuff. But the experience of it wasn't... I didn't love it. Like it was a very personal uh, screenplay that I had written like fucking 10 years ago or something. It'd been in development for years and years and years. And to the point where he, you know, Michael came on and I think I was doing other stuff and it basically was like, okay, well, Michael's going to do like a, like a director's pass of it. And I was like, okay, well, fine. That's fine. Fine. I've been writing this fucking thing for a decade. So yeah. he can, you know, he came and had some, very sort of per- yeah, go ahead, man. And he had some very sort of personal sort of, a take on the material based on his own relationship with his dad and and stuff like that. So he did it. And then I sort of, I think naively thought I'd still be involved. Like I was like, Oh, well he'll write a, he'll write a draft and then they'll, they'll send it to me and I'll, I'll give notes and they'll ask my opinion. And like, like, no, like nothing. Like, I know, like I don't think I basically didn't hear from anyone until like the film was coming out like years later and had no sort of input in it. And again, it's not like a, it's not a malicious thing and it's not, a Michael thing or whatever. I don't even know. It's just the system. It's just not, no one was really there being like, well, we have to keep Joe involved. And again, that's fine. But I sort of, the lesson I've learned from that is that I just don't like that thing. So I'm very happy to write films like Cloverfield, whatever happens with that, who knows what's going to happen that, you know, it's in a good place, but we'll see. But I, I'm very happy to write that because I know that's not like, like my story or something. Yeah. And I'm like, like yeah, you no, know, yeah, no one's yeah, going yeah, to watch yeah. that film because I wrote it. It's, they love the, the you know the monster and the franchise and all that stuff so that's great i just think if it's a, if, if i had a personal story i wouldn't write as a film unless i thought i was going to direct it myself yeah if not i would write as a tv show because otherwise you just don't you just don't have a voice in the room yeah. like on a tv show like on geary or on the lazarus project or on half bad which is my other show that's come out this year like um i'm doing casting i'm hiring directors I'm talking you know talking about composers I'm in the edit I'm giving notes on the VFX everything you're involved in every little part of the process and in a film it's like nothing like literally nothing and you're lucky if you get invited to the premiere it's, yeah. and it's and it's just weird man it's such a weird it's such a weird process and it's I think it's to the detriment of films because like why lock someone out who's got such a you know intimate knowledge of the story and cares so know? much about it and has such yeah it. has such yeah, the knowledge is the key part there. It's yeah, it seems yeah, weird. have sort of a point of view on it. But that's just the way it is. It's just I don't know. I don't know why. I I think films, you know, they sort of slightly. It's maybe it's like a vicious circle. Like they sort of sell themselves based on the you know a, a director can get a film made, and so when it comes to promoting it, it's a part of like it sort of benefits the whole infrastructure of films and release and the promoters and all that to sort of big up the work of this sort of one person that you have. Cause I think audiences only have so much capacity to care about who makes something, which is yeah. fair enough. Like yeah. I, you know, I don't know who edits stuff or I don't know, you know, the costume designer, all these really important roles that we yeah. don't bother to check. And I just think, you know, it's kind of part of it. It's just people only have so much space to really focus on it. And for yeah. some reason it's directors and film and, and writers in, in TV. Well, kind of, on the subject a bit, before we start to wrap up, let's talk a little bit about r- writer Twitter. It's yeah. a fascinating world, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I kind of sit on as a as a uh, an enthusiastic observer because it's yeah. a weird one. It's only since getting into the industry, I started looking at who wrote loads of things to do my research kind of thing. And uh, same with casting directors. And then I became g- genuine fans of these yeah. specific people because people like... Uh, Shaheen had cast loads of stuff I loved, so it seemed logical to me. I'll, I'll keep an eye on on what she works on because yeah. it's normally to my kind of of taste. So, and it's how I found Giri Hadji and, and and things like that. So it's an interesting one. But yeah, I I love watching writer t- 
at Twitter because there's 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 one section that's very <laughs> worldly wise and want to impart all their wisdom. Yeah, and then there's another section that wants to l- kind of laugh at everyone. You know, yes. ca- and c- and cunt a lot of them off and be quite and, qu- and be quite brutal. I'm not yeah. going to name any names, but there's a load of people that we both follow and that you, that you know and have interactions with. That I'm like, anytime anything happens, like I'm going to go and see what they're all saying because they're not going <laughs> to they're not going to pull any punches. So yeah, yeah. How do you find that world? Because it's weird. I think in every industry, s- s- social media is weird and has changed things. But I guess I'm asking, do you ever kind of feel, oh, no, I shouldn't talk about that or I can't talk about that or even I should talk about that? That's something I have a responsibility to to chat about or or whatever else. I don't know. Like, I, in terms of, like, screenwriting Twitter, I've, I sometimes, like, I less and less on Twitter I get involved in any kind of, like, controversial discussion about anything. I've sort of, whether it's politics or you know, writing or anything. I, I, I used to be really like, oh, I'll, I'll vocalise my opinion. And now it's sort of like, like it's just, I see people lose themselves to, to be outraged on Twitter all day. Even people 100%. I completely agree with. There's people I follow 100%. and they follow me and I, li- I, li- I like them and I, li- I agree with their opinions. But I think you see people like 7.30 in the morning every day starting in with the like outrage. And even if it's like completely legitimate outrage, like, oh, what the fuck have the fucking Tories done? Like, yeah. What have the fucking Tories done? Yeah. But you don't have to, but you're spending all day, every day, like screaming about just the world. And it's not fucking healthy, man. Like, even if I completely agree, it's just like not healthy. Yeah. So I try not to <laughs> chip in too much of my opinion on anything, really. But having said that, <laughs> screenwriting <laughs> to it, it can be completely insane. Um, there's lots, there's, for me, there's lots of people that are very keen to give advice, like writing advice, which is fine. There is like a whole industry built up around people giving screenwriting advice, which I do find a little strange because some of the advice that people give can be, I think, a little misguided sometimes. It's also so little... subjective as well, though. Oh, though yeah, right? It's yeah. what I found. I'd, the podcast that came out, out this week as we talked was with uh, Benedict Wong. Mm. And we talked a little bit about he's recommended numerous acting books for me. Like I hit him up to say, who, like, who do you rate? And one of the things I've loved about it it's for finding the bits I agree with and finding the bits I don't agree with. Just going yeah. like, nah, nah, that's bollocks. Or that's not for me. Like, I can't be doing that. That's not going to work. But th- but this bit here yeah. has changed yeah. my whole perception of things. And it's a similar thing with r- r- writing, right? So the only time yeah. it kind of rubs me up the wrong way is when someone presents it as, this is the answer. Yeah, Rather this than is this is wrong. my answer, this is the correct way to do things. It's like, yes. oh, is it yeah. right? I I think I think like I think screenwriting is particularly sort of open to that because it's an art form but it's also it exists as a as a document to help other people do their job so there is like it is like there is a structure to it and there is like uh you know producers directors costume designers whoever actors everyone's gonna be reading this thing and has to be doing its job for them as well so there is like There are sort of rules and stuff, but also there isn't. Like there, there isn't. There isn't. And pe- people are very like very keen to be like, you have to do this, you have to do that. Like the one that was going around today and yesterday was someone who put up two versions of the same scene. One and it was a scene set. It was describing a prison cell, and the, they were like, oh, one version that was very flowery and descriptive and a bit like a dark, dank corridor, and you know, you hear the sound of water dripping down stone walls, and the side it goes on. And on. And then the next one was just like interior prison night. It is cold and wet and dark. And they were like, "Oh, you should, you know, don't do the long flowery one. You should only do the the, the sort of brief snappy one." And lots of people would be like, "Well, that's bollocks as well, man. You can do if you want to be really descriptive. You can be. You don't have to. You don't have to do the thing that you're that you're telling us." And often the thing is that people who are loudest on screenwriting Twitter are slightly not the most successful writers either which is it's what put me off screenwriting for so long was because i thought right i'm too i get lost in descriptions and floweriness or whatever else and then reading or getting to work on a stephen knight script or a kurt sutter script or reading kelly marcel stuff Mm. there's points that it's a beautiful block of text and it's perfectly okay in the right mm. place and in the right format yeah. and that so that made me go all oh, right i can do this then because i i thought exactly i'd read that exact kind of advice it's it needs to be yeah interior prison night 
right yeah on with the dialogue <laughs> kind, yeah, of, yeah, kind yeah. of thing yeah. and it was like right that's not how i write but now it's kind of right you can do it however well and I, so much of it i think is that like there's so much advice which i do think would put new writers yeah. off or make people think that oh i've been doing it wrong or i shouldn't do it but actually like the fact is like the secret sort of fact that because so many people want to get into screenwriting or into tv or film but the fact is like it is almost all about the individual voice of the creator which is such a difficult thing to nail down what that actually means and it can be anything in terms of like the dialogue of the characters the world they're setting their their stories in the 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 size of the scenes the type of whatever there's so many different elements but it all combines this like slightly sort of hard to define idea of the voice and there are people who can structure a screenplay and they'll put it all in the right bits and they'll do all that but they don't have they just don't have it they yeah. can't they yeah. can't tell a story yeah. and you and that is a very hard very very hard thing to teach a natural sort of ability to put down words on paper in a way that people are going to want to read and they want to going to spend like two or three or four or five years of their lives making into a into a thing it's, it's there's so much that is like trying to nail a cloud to a wall that is about this industry and people are desperately trying to find meaning and form and yeah. structure to it and it's it's tricky man it's trying to organize the chaos that is uh fucking trying to put you know ideas from your head onto a cinema or a tv screen i you know i sympathize with with the with the need to find organized you know structure but it's most of it's bollocks yeah I completely agree. Well, to wrap things up, kind of what is next? And most importantly, what is next that I can be involved in? What's what's <laughs> the project for us to work together? No, what is that? Obviously, Cloverfield's, like, what's going on with that? And what is what have you got coming out? What have you got that you can talk about? Well, uh, yeah, so Cloverfield, we'll see what happens with Cloverfield. That's, that's I don't even know how much I'm allowed to talk about it, really. I'm hopeful right. that everything will go well with that. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, you know, it's a film, anything, anything can happen. But fingers crossed. So the Lazarus Project is coming out, I think, June the 14th on mm-hmm. Sky Max. Um, <laughs> then <laughs> later on in the year, I've got a show called Half Bad on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and that's coming out towards the end of the year not to kind of extend this podcast even more but just quickly <laughs> how have you found the difference between working with a sky and a, or a bbc and a netflix because they are very different mm. structures and beasts they can be different but they're, they they there are some things are different some things are the same they have you know like things like netflix don't have to worry about necessarily you know, at length of episode tight episode, that, tight episode yeah. that kind of thing it was the worst thing on doing a network show in america hearing stuff that's been cut for anything other than artistic reasons is heartbreaking to me i'm I'm completely fine if you're like look that didn't work in the end but when they're going yeah we had to shave eight (laughs) minutes off for because we did it it was too tight on adverts and that it's like a man that likes to shave either yeah exactly exactly (laughs) It's It's, it's difficult i mean i'm doing a netflix film at the moment which is shooting currently and that had to cut out all of the swear or all the fucks oh, just really? because it's and i was like it was killing me because That's it's mad. just i don't know it's like a pg-13 thing or something so that was like an annoying thing but no generally netflix and bbc they're all they've all kind of turned into the same slightly the same thing they have different things to worry about but they yeah. often people that you work with at netflix have come from the bbc and vice versa and yeah, so it's all course. kind of you know it's all one world but yeah, so that's but that's half bad's the Netflix one, and that's that's coming out. And then uh, you've got a movie shooting at the moment, Mark Wahlberg and Halle Berry, uh, sort of action thing for Netflix. And then maybe a second series of The Lazarus. We're hopeful. I've got a show with Sky, another show with Sky, which I don't think I'm allowed to talk about, but I'm super 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 excited about that. I think it's gonna be really amazing. Um, that's basically it. Other bits and bobs development. That's perfect. We'll, we'll get into the rest of that off mic but that sounds that's dope it's, it's it's great that there's yeah there's so much going on it's it's uh it's ex- exciting times from the sounds of it so i appreciate you making the time to come and have a little chat not at all man it was really lovely to come and talk to you yeah it's been a a, a pleasure You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces.
There we go. That was writer Joe Barton. I realise I'm doing this in the outro now. I've not kind of explained. It's not Joey Barton. You will have got that from the intro. Joey Barton didn't write Giri Hadji and, and the Lazarus Project. You know, I'm sure you will have got the drift there. But um, you might not have. You might have got all this way and thought, man, Joe Barton's done good since he left football, man. He's written some really interesting TV and film from the sounds of it. So that's cool. But um, yeah, that was Joe Barton. I think he's w- wonderful. And I can't be more hyped for the Lazarus, the Lazarus Project. As you heard, huge fan of Giri Hadji. I think it's a fucking work of art. So if you've not caught that yet, catch that. But also catch the Lazarus Project on Sky. Yeah. I'll be back next week. We'll go back to one episode next week. Let's not get carried away and get greedy. I wanted to treat you to a double now because I've got so many good ones recorded. Yeah, I'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.